Cairo, Seattle. It's time to get schooled with the professor, John Clayton. And welcome to okay. School with the Professor, because we have a lot of things to get into, particularly some of the latest trends that's happening. It's a little scary in the National Football League, because what you're seeing is that uh, more players that are in pretty much toward the end of the second uh, year terms of their contract, and that second uh, contract, are starting to retire for health reasons or for whatever reasons. And helping us out here to explain where this trend is going is Dave Fleming from ESPN. Worked with him at ESPN, the magazine, and for many, many years. And so... David, what uh, what do you think this trend is? Because, I mean, it kind of caught everybody off guard a couple years ago with a couple young players from the San Francisco 49ers uh, retiring early. And now we've got Luke Keekley retiring, you know, other players retiring, and many of them aren't even 30 years old. Yeah, I, I, I it is one of those things. I, I don't know how to explain it, but um, it cannot be good for the NFL or football in general, if you have a sport or a product and your stars, your best players, your best example of sort of what you want to put out to the public, they're walk, they're voluntarily walking away from the game. Um, that is not a good sign. People leaving, you know, tens of millions of dollars on, on, on the, on the table to, to quit your game. Um, if, if I'm the NFL, I'm, I'm extremely worried about that. Of course, I mean, I guess the the one thing is is that uh, concussions play a big part. We don't know exactly what played into Luke Keekley's retirement, but uh, I would have to think that you know, you know you have parents right now that are worried about letting their kids play football, and now you add to that with uh, you know great players, good players, sometimes average players, you know, worried about concussions and retiring. Yeah, that's a great point. I think as our that's probably the biggest difference. I think you just hit on it is education, right? The players have educated themselves. We know so much more now about uh, about uh, dangers to the brain and to CT about CTE. And now that the players are educated, they're able to make these decisions. Um, getting out of the game maybe a little early rather than a little too late. And I think. Um, you know, just from talking to, to linebackers and different players who, you know, are unprotected like quarterbacks, um, they, they understand, I think this thing that about the medical part of the game that they understand better than they ever have is that it's not the giant blow up hits where guys are getting knocked out that, that, that really necessarily lead to, uh, to CTE. It is a sort of accumulation of these tiny sub-concussive hits over the length of your football career. And so I think players understand that if by leaving, you know, three, four years early, that could actually really affect their long-term health um, in, in a positive way. Yeah, so, I mean, of the people that you talk to, what do they say uh, where this is all heading? Because, I mean, it's more pronounced than I think I've, we've ever seen it. Yeah, I'm not sure. You know, I always think it's funny when you've got you've got players, you've got the best players, right? You've got Andrew Luck, you've got Keekley, you've got uh, Gronkowski, you've got Calvin Johnson. I mean, the list just goes on and on. Um, you have your best players walking away because uh, the sport has gotten to the point where the human body can't 
literally cannot survive it for 16 games at a time. And then you flip the switch, and in a couple of weeks, I know we're going to be talking about, oh, the NFL wants to go to an 18-game season. And you see a team like the Eagles make the playoffs, they can barely put together a roster um, or two healthy wide receivers. Um, This is something the NFL really needs to deal with, and I'm afraid they're just going to sort of plow ahead and, and add extra games, which is going to destroy the product. It has to. Yeah, of course. I mean, that's the one thing the players are adamant about not going to 18, but they are listening on 17. But the most recent thing I was hearing out of the labor negotiation is that they're still kind of leaning just to go 16 and then not worry as much about the extra revenue. But of course, you got to worry about the bodies and all those different things. Yeah, I think that's an interesting. I think it, there's no way that they can go to even a single extra game without adding roster spots. And, of course, that's where all the money and the cost comes in for owners. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, you add 10 roster spots. At, what is that, at $15 million to your, uh, to your annual costs? But that has to be done because I think what happens is you've got a guy like Luke Keekley who loves the game so much it clouds his decision about his own health, right? These guys are going to play hurt because they don't want to let their teammates down. Um, they're going to return early. They're going to push to get back on the field. And, and if there were more, if their teams had uh, bigger rosters, there'd be less pressure on these guys to, to return the, to the field quickly. And I think that could be one way to improve the health of, of the NFL in general. Yeah, because that's the one thing is, is that the, the impact of some of these retirements uh, is a little bit scary because, I mean, one of the things that I noticed in this uh, 2019 season is that, you know, there's more separation between the good teams and the bad teams. And you saw it probably in the last month of the season. I mean, you look at Tampa, you look at uh, Carolina and the losing streak that was going on there. and You look in the stands and nobody's there. I mean, there's so many empty seats of people not even going to the games because they're so frustrated. And you look at the impact of one, what we saw this year. Now, again, this fan stayed in Indianapolis, but the and Andrew Luck retirement totally changed everything. They go to Jacoby Brissett. Uh, he was pretty average at best, and so now they're no longer a playoff team. Yeah, I mean, I, um, I think that's a really good point, and that's another thing that the NFL should be really worried about. I mean, the empty stadiums, not just one or two, I mean, there were a half dozen consistently uh, empty football stadiums in the last month of the season, and and John, I mean, these are not these are not tickets that are just going that are going unbought. These are these are seats. Um, I was in New York for a couple of these during the the Jets and the the Dolphins game for starters, and these are seats that people have paid tens of thousands of dollars to acquire and maybe avoided or, you know, canceled vacations or not put a new roof on their house. So these are expensive seats that the product is so bad now, they're they're willing to just burn that cash to not have to go sit for four hours to watch the Dolphins um, and the Jets bump into each other uh, in, a, in a sort of circus of of sadness. So again, there's another factor that I think ties in, but it's another warning sign to the NFL that, um, you know, if the product's on decline, you can't ask for maximum revenue and maximum ticket prices. If, if your product's on decline, I, I always put it in terms of, um, you know, something you and I always talk about, but in terms of music, right. Mm -hmm. Um, 
if I had paid $500 to see Pearl Jam and I get to the stadium and uh, Eddie Vedder's been replaced uh, by the guy from Nickelback, you know, I, there would be a riot. No one's going to stand for that. But NFL fans, you plunk down your money thinking that you're going to get to see Luke Kuechly or, or Andrew Luck and these guys retire, and um, there, there's no one who's going to give you your your ten thousand dollars back for those season tickets. Well, like even you look at the Luke Keekley uh, retirement, uh, figuring also that Greg Olson is going to retire too. You know, it almost puts the Carolina Panthers in a rebuilding mode. And if you're in a rebuilding mode, that means you lose games and you lose fans temporarily. Yeah, it's um, it's funny how I mean Luke Keekley is I think one of the few players that if if he suddenly retires that changes the whole dynamic of of your defense and of your team and of your franchise. I mean I I live in North Carolina. He is he's beloved. He's the face of the franchise here, um, and and he's earned that. Um, and a guy like that walks away. Uh, you know, you're right. It sort of automatically triggers. Uh, re- uh, a rebuilding mode, and and um, that's usually two or three years of misery at the best. And sometimes even longer than that. I mean, because, again, I, what you wonder about is that you have a new owner. I mean, he's now re- reached into the college ranks to get a head coach. And, you know, now what happens with Cam Newton, who's been battling injuries for, for the last three years? Yeah, and I think, I mean, again, going back to the product that's put on the field, right? If mm-hmm. you... And I think this is at the heart of the Luke Keekley thing. Um, it's, you know, if it's become, as far as an entertainment thing, if you know in your heart that these guys are going to be affected negatively for the rest of their lives, all of a sudden it becomes a lot harder to sort of cheer for, uh, you know, huge, huge collisions and huge hits. And, um, you know, I think the minute that the average fan begins to feel culpable for the suffering that these players are going through, I, I think the bottom drops out of, of, of uh, NFL entertainment. I, I'm not sure if we'll ever get there. I'm not sure if fans will ever admit that. But, um, you know, if, if that ever happens, because I know I feel it myself. I mean, you and I, we, we talk to these guys when they're 10, 20 years removed from the game. And, uh, you know, it's, it is painful sometimes, most of the time to watch, you know, these guys not be able to walk to, to they're in constant pain. Uh, we understand what they're leaving out on the field and, um, it's hard to watch. It, it, it's really hard to watch. And, um, especially with Luke Keekley, who again, sort of the best of the best and, and he couldn't take it. Oh yeah. No question. So now from, how do you kind of judge where the league has been working on it? Obviously, they've said and they've made it a priority to try to you know, get safety and all that. But like, for example, one of the things that uh, the helmet uh, situation, you know, they've tried to open the door on that, have competitive things. But like the company out here in Seattle uh, that was having maybe one of the best new helmets, I mean, they just go under. I mean, they go financially under. And so, uh, you know, where, where do you think the league stands on all this right now? Well, there, I don't know, you know, it's funny, they're, um, well, like any business, I think, when it begins to affect their, their bottom line, that's when you're going to see lots of action take place. And I think you see that 
uh, you've already seen that with quarterbacks. They understand, right? This is a passing league. Passing leads to touchdowns. Touchdowns leads to entertainment. Entertainment leads to advertising. So to, to protect quarterbacks, uh, is a direct, there's a direct line between protecting the health of quarterbacks and the bottom line, the bottom line of profit in the NFL. And so you've seen them take major, you know, I don't, we are only one or two sort of rules away from quarterbacks just not, not being allowed to touch or tackle quarterbacks altogether. And I think, uh, we're going to see that probably in the next 10 years where you just can't, you know, quarterbacks are like punters. You just can't hit them anymore. Um, uh, that would not surprise me at all. And I think, you know, I think the NFL is going to have to start doing that with other positions. They're going to have to start taking that kind of drastic legislative measures to increase the safety of the game and the longevity of, of their best players, or else it's going to affect their bottom line. Oh, yeah, no question. And that's <clears throat> and so where, where do you think the emphasis should be? Is it the equipment? Is it the rules? Or should they just make it almost like a flag football game? Yeah, you know, that's I, I don't I don't have the answer to that. I'm not really sure and I'm I'm I you know, I think that the violence of the sort of accepted levels of violence um uh in football is is what we all sort of secretly love about the sport. Um, you know, I can admit that. Um and so uh, you know, if you look at movies, if you look at video games um, those don't tend to get less violent as far as entertaining. They only get more violent. And, you know, I worry that the foot, that football is, is, um, is going to go in that direction. It's sort of inevitable. It's, it's human nature, um, that it's going to become more violent. And so honestly, one of the theories that I have is I feel like it might go the way that boxing went, right? You're going to have traditional, um, you have traditional boxing, which it would be just sort of the traditional version of the NFL. But then you have sort of this MMA ultimate fighting branch where it's just anything goes. Um, and I could definitely see sort of a second rival league um, where it's just like, you know, do anything you want. You know, the rules are limited. Guys sign waivers and, and it, the game just becomes more violent. And then that gives people the choice whether you can either watch boxing or you can watch MMA. As you know, as it relates to football, of course. I mean, that's the one thing that's so difficult nowadays is to start a new league. We saw that with the AAF, and that obviously was one that was trying to be the developmental league for the NFL. In that field, we got the XFL that's going to start uh, in February. But you know, the, the problem is, is that you know the NFL at least now is a fifteen point six billion dollar business, and there really isn't a way to compete against it. Yeah, and that's. You know, that's um, when has that not been sort of dangerous for workers or consumers or, or anyone, right? A, a, a company that's that big and that powerful, um, sort of making all the rules. It's, uh, uh, you know, that's why it, you're almost relieved when you see players um, taking the power back and, and leaving leaving early uh, to, to protect themselves. I thought that was one of the more interesting things and insightful things that Luke Keekley said um, as he walked away, which was that he was having a harder and harder time um, differentiating between sort of um, what should keep him off the field and, and what shouldn't. And that's when it really becomes dangerous uh, when guys can't, they, they lose perspective on making those sort of decisions that are in the best interest of their own long-term health. 
Okay, so hey, what things do you have online right now that people can read? Uh, the last thing I did was the, uh, we called it the NFL Tour of Sadness, and you touched on that with the, the games with the Jets and the yeah. Dolphins. Um, but uh, I am I'm headed out uh, next week to the Senior Bowl. We're going to do something on, I'll probably be calling you for your help yeah. on, um, uh, what I think is ridiculous is the, um, the, the quarterback, uh, the, the cult of the quarterback hand measurement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, well, you're, you're, you're hitting the right city because, uh, you know, Russell Wilson's 10 and a quarter inch hands uh, have at least helped him to a point where now, I mean, he's borderline Hall of Fame and one of the best quarterbacks in the league where you see, and, and you know, Dave Craig had some small hands and had a lot of fumbles. And so, yeah, it's it's kind of interesting in that regard. Yeah, I think it's one of those, I think, obviously, the bigger the hands, the better, but um there's a lot of sort of uh, contradictory uh, statistical and anecdotal proof that uh, it might just it might not matter because mm-hmm. I think Patrick Mahomes has he does not have huge hands either so it's um, it's just one of those interesting quirks of the sort of the cult of NFL scouting that I, I love to look into. Oh yeah, no doubt. Well, give me a call if you need me. I'm here and hey, thank you for joining us here on Schooled with the Professor. Oh, my my pleasure. Have a good day. And that does it for this week's podcast. In between episodes, you can follow me on Twitter at Clayton ESPN. If you enjoy these weekly one-on-one conversations, consider leaving a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to the show. Thanks for listening. See you next time on Schooled with a Professor.